Welcome to Refocus. I'm your host, Trevor Wilson. This is a podcast of Sunday school lessons that I've taught, some sermons that I have preached. Uh, I have various guests at different times. Uh, Basically, the, the whole idea is to just kind of refocus back on the Word of God, going back to those Bible stories, studying the scriptures. Let's just, just kind of get out of ourselves, out of our own thinking, and go back to the Word of God and see what He has to say. I love those old Sunday school lessons when we were kids. We seem to have gotten away from some of those, just the bare bones bottom of what the Word of God, the meat and potatoes, if you will. So I hope you enjoy it and pass along and share. Now, let's get to the lesson. All right, let's get started then. So we are in um, chapter 14 of Genesis. We've been talking about the separation of Lot and Abram. We spoke about how uh, Lot chose to follow a different direction he chose based upon what based upon what how did he choose because it was well watered it was well watered right so uh Uh greedy he was more concerned about about his self right um so lot separates uh, abram moves on over and you know he's staying in canaan he moves up a little bit um, he settled in a place called Mamre, or the land of Mamre, the Valley of Mamre. Um, so this war had happened. This war had went on. We talked about that last week. Um, the war of the four kings to the five kings. Sodom and Gomorrah had come up. Um, this is starting in chapter 14, all the way down through 11. Um, there was an... An unrest there. They just see it. The, the five kings decided they didn't want to be um, under the control anymore. So they gathered together and they marched and they tried to break free and it didn't happen. Right? And so the king of Sodom and the king of um, Gomorrah, what happened to those two guys? Do you remember? I think it was in. Verse 10 of 14. They fled and they fell. They didn't make it. All right. So um, that's kind of where we left off. Do you guys remember what um, there in verse 11? It took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their victuals. What are victuals? Food, that's right. Vittles, all right? <clears throat> so that's kind of where we left off. So we have uh, we have Lot. Uh, we spoke last week. Lot <clears throat> chose based upon what uh, he liked. He then separated, and I think that's a, that's a very important thing, that uh, you know, God led them into the promised land area, the, the area that... He wanted them to be, and when we look at our map, on this side is where they were led, right? He moved over to the other side, which is not where God wanted him to be, okay? So I think that speaks pretty good to the fact of 
Um, you know, when you choose yourself and then, you know, you kind of stray off on your own. Uh, then you have there in chapter, again, in 13, where it says that um, when he moved over there, he pitched his tent towards what two cities? Sodom. So you have a guy who kind of, you know, he's kind of making choices based. Now, mind you, this is this is an individual that was follow, following in the will of God. Now, whether it was on, you know, I know that Abram had kind of taken over. He was the, the patriarch, the leader. God was talking to him. So what's happened here, and I think this is a good picture of us, is, you know, we've got to make sure that we stay focused on the godly people in our lives. Um, you know, they started to have that conflict. Their people were fighting. And, and Abram said, hey, you know, we just need to kind of separate. But Abram, I'm pretty sure, wasn't saying, hey, you need to run completely on the other side and get completely out of where, out of the land of God. You know, and, and that's the kind of stuff that we make these decisions based more on self. He said, hey, that place is great over there. I'm, you know, it's well watered and I'm going to feed all my people. Um, we see later on here that, I mean, there very well could have been, Abram could have had over a thousand people in his employ, all right, or in his entourage or whatever you want to call it. So what ends up happening is, um, someone read for me verses 11 and 12. So uh, in this war, what happened? What ended up happening with a lot? POW. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> POW. Now, Abram wasn't taken up in this. So because of what all, because of the decisions that he has made, he is now landed in bondage. And I think that's so interesting to see how a small, simple choice that doesn't seem all that bad, right? Move over there and to that nice green land over there. And I don't, any of us would have been like, hey, that's not that bad. How it just gradually, small step by small step by small step. Now, apparently he is living in or near Sodom, right? Because that's what it says, that they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and they took Abram who dwelt in Sodom. So now he wasn't even in the valley that he had originally moved to. He had finally made his way into Sodom. So you have, you know, the, the self, then you have his separating from godly people, then you have the, the focusing on the, uh, on the things not of God or on the worldly, to where it finally leads you to living in the things that God don't want you to have nothing to do with in the first place. So then he's lands, now he's in bondage. Okay, he's all tied up in that. So um, I, I just I just found that, that situation there. I thought it was really an eye-opener to a lot of us that even the little decisions that we don't think are that big of a deal are. Um, and in that verse, it says that it, it talks about how um, later on it mentions... It wasn't just Lot. It was all of Lot's people. It was all of Lot's goods. So you have one man who made one decision for his entire family that led the entire family astray. 
So, you know, we've really got to be careful um, about the decisions that we make, the small little ones. That's why I keep telling the boys over and over, you know, it may be something you enjoy. It may be something that you don't think is that big of a deal. And for you of yourself, it's probably not going to be the end of the world. But the people that it affects, and, and, and that's the hard part. Then you got to try to, like a chess, you got to try to think of all these different moves. Lot would have never thought that he was going to end up. If you'd have told Lot the time day he made that decision that you're going to end up in bondage, he probably would have laughed at us. All right. So uh, there he is, locked up in bondage, um, stuck there with really no hope. Um, someone read verse 13 for me. And there came one that had escaped and told Abram the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eskel, the brother of Aner, and these were confederate with Abram. All right, so what happens here? Somebody escaped and gave a status report. <laughs> Someone <laughs> broke free. That's right. Someone broke free. And they got out, they went, they crossed over. They got to Abram. They let Abram know um, what was going on. That lot was taken up. Um, like I said, um, chapter 13, verse 18 tells us where Lot was. Um, it says, Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron. Now, remember we talked about what does Abram like to build every all the time? Altars, right? And he built there an altar unto the Lord. I, I love that they mention this over and over because Abram is following what God wants him to do. He's going where God wants him to do. And everywhere he goes, not only does he dedicate that area to the worship of God, but when he leaves, he leaves a marker. He leaves some sort of signal that, I don't want to say signal, but something there that, you know, this was worship to the king, you know what I mean, or to God. So you see the contrast between Lot's decisions and Abram's decisions, what to do or what not to do and what to do. And if we take even something so little as where you move to and you dedicate everything, you buy a brand new car, I'm not saying build an altar in the back, in the trunk of it or anything like that, right? But the idea of, okay, thank you, Lord. This is what you've given to me. This is what you provided for me. How can I use this for your service? How can I? Go ahead. I was going to say, it's, I think it's even Abraham, you see with his life. I don't think he, would, he waited until after he did it, then said, hey, God, how can I use it? I think he said, how can I be used? How can you use me? And then he proceeded. And I think that's where a lot of us mess up. Is we, well, I need a new car. You go out and buy a new car. Well, God, how am I going to use yeah. this for you? It's like, God said, I never told you to buy this new car. Yeah. Well, and, that, and that's part of making sure that you make the moves that God wants you to move. You come upon a need in your life, and we, we use the car as an example. I need a new car. Well, to me, I have a certain kind of car in mind. But that might not necessarily be what God has. And so, okay, God, you're going to provide um, when Lori and I was looking at the house, and even when we was looking for this car, uh, for the house situation, I mean, we had all those kids crammed into the three-bedroom. We were renting a house that was, you know, nice, good size, but the roof was getting real bad, and it was just way too expensive. But my credit really wasn't where it should be. 
And, you know, it was just one of those things we started praying on. God, you know, we got to get out of here. We, you know, we, we need to get moving. I know this ain't where you want us to be and all that kind of stuff. And then just out of the blue, for no reason, my credit started etching up a little bit, a little bit. So we went and, you know, we came across um, um, Carolyn Wedding. We ran into her to sing in at Dad's, you know, and <clears throat> she hooked us up with a mortgage people. So we thought, what's it going to hurt to go sit and... And next thing you know, we had that pre-approval, and now here we are. And I'm, you know, of course, now I added all that money to the house, and my credit dropped back down. <laughs> um, but you know, it's just those kind of things. And same way with the car, that van was leaking oil faster than I could put into it. Right? We checked the gas and changed the oil in that thing, and it was on its last leg. And we've looked at cars, couldn't find anything that we really wanted. You know, that fit us well. And then we just, I want to say, stumbled. But by the grace of God. And, you know, it's kind of like what Jim was saying. We come up with a need. We need to approach God. How's it need to be done? And I, and I think that's why when Abram made that this, that that offer, that initial offer, hey, maybe we should separate. I, I believe that that was, that he had gone to God on how to fix this strife, how to handle this. Because God was talking to him. We've seen that in that situation. Um, but whatever it was, Abram consistently searched out God and sought his direction and then thanked him for it and honored him for it and used it for the things of God and you know we got to make sure that no matter what it is we are doing and that means in our personal life in our this at our jobs our jobs may not be you know I don't think anyone here is uh, a paid staff here at Hilltop Baptist Church we all have secular jobs we have that for a reason Okay, I think it's to test my patience. I think that's really what. At times. <laughs> at times, you know, um, you know, we have those situations that you know we go through some hard times. I know, you know, no one here is, is a stranger to difficult times um, or even hard trying times. We don't know why, but how does God get the glory out of that? How can we make the right decisions? How do we honor God? Um, and, and hopefully. Somehow, someone else can come to know the Lord through what we have done. And so when you have that contrast of Lot versus Abram, Abram's constantly building altars for whatever the reason he's doing them. It's, you know, it's God honoring and Lot is focused on himself. So uh, Abram hears this. Um, he finds out that he's taken. Um, does Lot or does Abram say tough? He's out of luck. No, uh, verses 14 and 15, someone please. And when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. He divided himself against them, he and his servants by night, and smote them and pursued them unto Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. All right, so... Abram's men alone, he had 318 trained men. Desert All right. So, yeah, you're looking at fighters, people that are able to fight with whatever the weapons, the swords and whatnot at the time. So think about this. If Abram had 318 trained men, if each man had one wife and one child, how many people was following Abraham at that time? You're looking at roughly a thousand, and we all know that typically they had more than one wife, and definitely had way more than one child, 
right? So we know minimally there was at least, talk about, I mean, when we think of the sheer numbers of, of what these people were, when I think of when Abraham or when Abram and Lot was running out of room in this land, you think, well, how can they be running out of room? Because you're thinking Abram, his wife, and a couple of kids, right, and some donkeys or whatnot. No, I mean, we're <laughs> seriously, and, and Lot was also being blessed as well. So Lot very well may have, there could have been several thousands of people. Now, think about this. You start adding the... Uh, Livestock. The livestock, yeah. You start adding all that livestock and, and servants. the servants of them, and then then uh, I, I guess the camels or donkeys or whatever. I guess donkeys what they've been using. Yeah, you know, you, you talk about the, the livestock, and then you talk about the beasts of burden. Uh, you're talking Kentucky size. You know what I mean? We're talking. There are giants amount, and the land for all the grazing. I wonder why that they were really running out of some room. <laughs> In this particular situation, uh, that's a lot, a lot of people. So, basically, what we have, overpopulation. yeah, great overpopulation. Yeah. So, so what you have in this situation, you have Abram's over here. He hears about it. My runs off the map. All right, here's Dan. So Damascus and Hobah, all that is up here. So he takes those trained guys. He don't waste no time. You know, me personally, I'm like, that's what Lot gets. You know, that's if, if he just stuck around with me or stayed where he's supposed to be, he wouldn't be going through this. Which, listen, let's be honest, that's a lot of times, that's people in churches, that's a lot of our, that you get, that's your fault. You know, you should have uh, you should have made better choices. But not Abram. Abram decides, he says, I'm going after him. Um, and he goes, again, this is the part of the Bible that I always struggle with is the amount of time is concerned. You know, I think we hop in our car, right? Handful of us and we go driving, uh, I mean, down to Florida, was that, you know, 10 hours or so, Orlando, I think it takes 12 to 16, depending on if you got a bunch of kids or got to stop, you know. But we're talking, you know, 318 men, um, we see at the end of the story that there was actually, um, it mentioned in 13 that there was a couple guys there that he was confederates with. So they all went. So there was probably more than 318. There was their trained men as well. So there was a, a pretty decent sized army that was strolling on foot or, or, or on hoof or however they traveled, um, so, I mean, this was this very well could have taken months or, or even years. They traveled a really, really long, long distance. But he chases them. And I love his tactics because it says there, how did he attack them? He split. What's that? He split them two, basically. Split in half and then attacked them. When did you say, bro? Night. At nighttime. Right? He did some guerrilla warfare stuff that we didn't even figure out until, you know, they came after us in America. Um, so you have, and in that situation, you probably, you know, Abram probably took his people and then the Confederates probably, the Confederates, his, his friends, you know, his people took them and went, you know, went their way, but he split them up. Um, and he went after them and he done a pretty good job because it says in, uh, says he divided up, pursued them in Hobah, which in the left hand of Damascus, verse 16, 
And he brought back all the goods and also brought back again Lot and his goods and the women also and the people he won. Go ahead, Jim, real quick. I say he's, he was, if you figure you have two kings that he was going up against, I'm sure their armies were... No, much, he was much, going up against like four or five kings. That's what I'm saying. I'm just going the two big kings. You figure they had some massive <clears throat> armies, so... You would have, you would think so. I, yeah, I mean, Absolutely. I, I think they were... I, I would completely agree with that. He was probably outnumbered. So it definitely took, took some uh, God's tactics... Hand. God's hand. Yeah, but ultimately, yes, it was definitely... But listen, we see this, and that's a good point. We see this in, in the Old Testament over and over. God takes a few people and <clears throat> just makes mighty out of them. You know, then you get into the New Testament, he starts with 12 disciples and turns it by... At Pentecost, there's 3,000 added, and it continues to grow. We talked about... It. You know, when we studied Acts, how they grew to a point where they weren't even given numbers anymore. It was just by the multitudes. All the way to today, it doesn't matter who we think we are. God can do anything with us. And he proves that over and over. All he requires is a willing servant's heart. One that will seek, seek God. So no matter, and you don't even have to have a talent. God will, will make that talent. Like we said with Abram. Who was Abram? He wasn't nobody. And now here he is, not only defeating, but killing. Um, it, it continues to say, uh, verse 17, The king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return for the slaughter of Cheddar and of the kings that were with him in the valley of Shiva, which is the king's dale. All right? So he was able to do what the original five kings in all of their armors, which I'm sure were pretty good size, we're unable to do by the power of God. So what's interesting is the <clears throat> fact that it doesn't matter if you make bad decisions, if you get caught up in stuff. God doesn't give up on us. And, and, and I believe that Abram went after Lot. Of course, it was his brother-in-law, was uh, or his brother-in-law, his nephew, um, calls him his brother here, you know, and I think it was out of love, but I'm sure it was by direction of God, you know, and he led him after that, and he had to have the backing of God to be able to defeat these kings, and I, and I love the picture of, it doesn't, you know, here you have a person that is in the will of God, that gets out of the will of God, and you have a man of God, who instead of judging, goes after that person, right, and brings him back to the fold. Well, um, we, know, we learn later a lot doesn't learn his lesson, but um, then you fast forward to the New Testament. What does it say about the one and the 99? He goes after the one. Yeah. You know, we as, we as Christians so many times get to looking well. You know, they're vile homosexuals. You know, they, they deserve hellfire. And we all do. I don't care the life that they live. You know, you're right. I, I'm not a homosexual. I've not lived that lifestyle. I haven't been there. But I was going to hell no different than anybody else that was lost. And there's not a person in here that wasn't on their road to hell one day. Sin or saved by grace. Absolutely. And it was because of God and his love 
And it was because of godly people in my life that cared more about me than the life that I was living. I would not be here today if I'd have not had a mom and dad who loved God or a grandma who prayed or, you know, people in the church that I grew up in that was constantly, you know, I, there was a lot of times I didn't like going back home to mom and dad because, you know, the first qu question, where are you going to church at? You know, I know why kids stay away from home, you know, when they're not living right, because they're embarrassed, especially if they were raised in church. Been there, done that. So we as a people, that's why I, you know, that's, that's one of the reasons we started feeding to the kids because we want to be involved in these kids' lives. We want to let everybody know that I don't care where you come from. There's a place in the family of God for you. And, and then that's what Abram, Abram said. Now, the beautiful part about all this, um, Abram says, uh, you jump down to verse 21. Um, it says, And the king of Sodom, and set, Sodom said unto um, Abram, Give me the persons and take goods to thyself. Abram said to uh, the king of Sodom, I, will lift up, I lift up my hand unto the Lord and most high God, the possessors of heaven, that I will not take from, the thre from a thread even to a shoe latch, and that I will take anything that is thine, lest thou shouldest say I have made Abram rich, save only that which the young men have eaten, and the portion of the men which uh, went after me, Aner, Eshcol, and Mamre, let them take their portion. The lifting up his hand, he made a promise to God, a covenant with God, um, that he would not have anything tied to Sodom. All right? I'm not going to take anything from them. God knew what was going to end up happening to Sodom and Gomorrah. Knew what the, where they were going to end up at. And he didn't want that morality to spill over and to Abram. Not to mention, Abram was already being blessed. I think this is kind of a lesson he learned from the, the, the going down into Egypt. You know, let's just have faith that when God says, I'm going to take care of you, that I'm going to take care of you. And Abram says... I don't need this. God's taking care of me. God's going to do, I don't need your stuff. The only thing that I need is uh, what my soldiers, what my people ate to live off of while we were doing all this. I don't want all your food. Um, Lot made the wrong choice for the wrong reasons. God didn't let him go. Abram made the right decisions. He went after him. He gave God the credit. Um, he, he was not one to submit. We all know how it is when, you know, God uses people that don't have the talents just so we can't say, well, you know, that was partially me anyway. You know, if he'd have gone through and Sodom, this king, had given Lot all the stuff, then he could have bragged about how he supported Abram and and all that kind of stuff. And, and that's he, he's saying here, he says, he says, I don't want anything to do with that. God made me rich. I'm not going to have you taking the credit from God. And, we, you know, we just got to be careful about some of that. Um, <sighs> impossible odds. You know, I, I guess out of this whole story, we got to be careful about the decisions we made. But on Abram's side, Abram didn't question. He knew what he had to go do. He took the men that he that he had, and he trusted that um, that God was going to handle it. It didn't matter what the odds were. So, um, you know, this this week as we go through this week, 
just remember that every every decision matters and you know when they say there's nothing too big for God no matter what we go through all right anybody got questions or comments